This episode is brought to you by Sheath. You can go to sheathunderwear.com and discover the most comfortable underwear ever created. Now, what makes sheath underwear different? Well, for men, on the inside of the underwear, there is a dual pouch. That means separate compartments for your manhood. Imagine a silky, smooth pouch on the inside that your boys slide right into that keeps you separate from your legs so there's no more sticking, no more chafing, no more need for readjustment. We all know that little move you have to make to kind of peel the bad boys off of the leg. Well, with sheath, that is a thing of the past. There are several fabrics to choose from, from modal to bamboo. My personal favorite is the bamboo. It's a newly launched product that everyone seems to really love. I highly recommend trying the bamboo sheath underwear if you have not ever given yourself the gift of true comfort. Wearing these underwear truly sets a new precedent for what underwear are and for most people, I think they end up switching entirely over to sheath because when you put on your old underwear after trying these, they just don't cut it anymore. You can try sheath risk-free. There is a 100% money-back guarantee on your first pair. So go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. I've been involved with Sheath since its conception. It was founded by my brother, Robert Patton, who is a US military vet, who during the course of his two tours to Iraq developed this product out of need. Need is the mother of invention, as he likes to say, and he did a great job bringing this awesome product to the world. Again, that's sheathunderwear.com promo code TIMEWHEEL. This episode is also brought to you by Ohana Kava Bar. Go to ohanakavabar.com and check out their selection. Ohana means family and it is spelled O-H-A-N-A and Kava is spelled K-A-V-A. You can order directly from their website and they will mail you high quality kava. If you don't already know, kava is a plant medicine, an herbal supplement, a replacement for alcohol. It is an incredible experience. I have used kava for years now. I love it. It makes you chill, happy, vibey. It is a communal and ceremonial beverage to unwind with at the end of your day. If you haven't given kava a try, I highly recommend it. Again, go to ohanakavabar.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 10%. Their store offers classic kava, instant kava, kava tinctures, kava capsules, and more, all of which I have tried and all work incredibly well. ohanakavabar.com promo code TIMEWHEEL.
Accessing archive. Authorizing. Access granted. Accessing file. All right, I am here with Jennifer Sodini. How you doing? Good. How are you, Matt? I am doing great. Just want to introduce you a bit. Uh, Jennifer is a best-selling author. She's got two amazing books out, which I want to get into, as well as the founder of Evolve and Ascend, the host of her own podcast called Radio Amenti, and now in the midst of founding a new company called Hidden Hand Media. Yes. Lots of fun stuff. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the, the books and what they're called, where you can find them, and maybe the inspiration behind those just to, to dive in here. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my grandmother taught me how to read oracle cards when I was really young. Um, oracle cards are not to be mistaken with tarot cards. They're two really different kind of modalities for diving into the subconscious mind. So oracle cards are really like, I say they're like kind of like the inkblot test of your subconscious. It's like the language of dreams. And you can make an oracle deck on anything. There are oracle decks on anything from like crystals to unicorns to angels and demons, you know? So sure, sure. Uh, because of my grandmother, I've always had this interest in the ineffable and in the invisible. And um, in around 2018, I decided that I really wanted to create an oracle deck to not only honor my grandmother, but because within the oracle deck space at that time, there wasn't a lot of work that was speaking to like my particular aesthetics. I'm like, man, I really want to make something cool that talks about this like ancient wisdom in the modern world, but work with an artist that just like knocks it out of the park. <laughs> right, right. So as fate would have it, um, through synchronicity, I was connected with an artist named Natalie Miller. And when I saw her art, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the person. Um, mm -hmm. As a 90s kid, and I loved MTV's Liquid Television. And one of my favorite shows on there was Eon Flux. And her art reminded me of like Eon Flux, Peter Chung, Egon Sheila. I was like, oh my God. So right. she and I connected and originally the idea was that we were going to self-publish this deck. Um, the concept for the deck was based off of the 42 ideals of Ma'at, which is an Egyptian concept of living with a feather light heart um, because the Egyptians believe in the hall of judgment, the weight of your soul is measured by your heart. And if your heart is as light as a feather, the feather of Ma'at, you can pass through to the next realm. Um, so yeah, wow. basically like we wanted to self-publish, but then all these insane synchronicities started happening. And around mm -hmm. that time, our pal Corey Allen, uh, got his first book deal for now is the way. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Corey, see how he did it. He mm -hmm. said, Oh, I'd love to introduce you to my literary agent. He introduced me to our literary agent. Within two weeks, we had a major publishing deal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Love it. So it's pretty wild. Um, so Menti's done really well. You know, it's published um, throughout the state, the United States, but it was picked up by a French publisher also called um, Trey Daniel. And we put out a supplemental guided journal called Everyday Amenti, which is based off of the 42 ideals explored in the cards, but also the seven hermetic principles and the three alchemical principles. Um, so it's been a real trip. <laughs> wow. To say the least. Yes. Yeah. I love it. 
funny enough, I, I bumped into your book in Barnes and Nobles one day and I was like, what? I know Jen, you know, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. Such a meta moment. Like the first time that happened, I was like, oh my God, what is life? This is so strange. <laughs> I know. It's funny because, you know, to be a published author, to be in Barnes and Nobles, you know, um, in, in a music sense, it's almost like seeing your record at, at Walmart or something. So it's funny how just from being interested in these subjects and, and having the determination and the willpower to push forward with a, a dream, a venture that real things can manifest, like an actual real tangible product that anyone would be proud of, you know, can manifest from these things. And it's funny, I like to talk about those things on my show because it doesn't take being a superhuman to do the things you you want to do with this life. And I think that is a large amount of um, what you and I share in common is, is our ability to have these dreams or these ideas or these, you know, uh, passions and to bring them to full manifestation, let them fully bloom and let other people kind of sharing that experience with us, wouldn't you say? Completely. I'd say that you and I are kind of like constellations within a similar galaxy. And if you really Mm -hmm. like zoom out, you know, even how we connected, it's such a testament to heart and mind and magnetizing the right people to help you like manifest the things that you're dreaming of, you know, like we connected in 2013, which is so nuts to think like how long ago that was. It was. That was the first year Time Wheel was founded. Um, And yeah, I would love to actually just dive into that because from my memory, um, I think it came through an email and it was just kind of like, let's connect. You know, I I guess I'm curious because it's been several years since I've kind of asked this question um, um, to you. Uh, what was it that you kind of saw, you know, like what was your first kind of memory of, of, of discovering time wheel and, and, um, deciding to, to want to reach out and, and talk? Yeah. So I have a deep appreciation for beauty and aesthetics and those that can channel, uh, complicated ideas and turn them into relatable content through whether it's like music, art, word, logo. Um, mm-hmm. and when I saw the time wheel logo and saw everything that you were creating, I was like, Oh my God, this is the move. This is the vibe. This is exactly what I want to be a part of. You know, when I, awesome. when I started evolving to send the whole like vibe I wanted to cultivate was where the library of Alexandria meets Andy Warhol's factory, just the syn- synthesis of art and philosophy. And when I saw time wheel, I was like, yes, they're doing it. What a cool name. What a cool brand. Like they're cool, whatever they're doing. I just want to be part of it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so glad you reached out because, you know, who knows if you, if you hadn't, you know, what, where we'd both be right now, because I swear like you've been such an influential part of this path I've been on. We became such good friends, partners, and just, you know, creative, inspirational, um, buddies that that kick ideas back and forth. And I I really appreciate it. And for me, it, it was totally synchronicity as well, because if it wasn't for whatever led me down, you know, the series of events that, that, it, that it took for me to found time will, I wouldn't have connected with you. And if I didn't connect with you, I don't think I would have connected with a ton of people that we've worked with in this awesome, beautiful, creative space now. So 
Wasn't it funny, like the whole thing, like how creator creates creation, creation creates creator, like this weird loop of thought informing reality, reality informing thought. And when you think of even the name of your brand, Time Wheel, and like how this like wheel of time has turned and connected us all to each other, it's pretty trippy. hundred percent. It is. I love that. I love that. And it really just kind of speaks to this idea um, known as the law of attraction, you know, mm-hmm. which, which I know the secret has, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of short-sightedness, but it also, if you're able to humbly uh, use the, 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 the methods that they teach in the film, The Secret, which that's what I had saw. Uh, I didn't read the book. I, I saw the film when I was probably 17 or something, which I, if I hadn't saw that, who knows where I would be now as well. It's just like all of these things lined up to the perfect thing to to uh, unfold and I know you got into it a little bit with with uh, explaining the book here but what was it that inspired you towards these spiritual concepts these esoteric concepts the the concepts of psychedelics and and all of this stuff together because evolve and ascend for those who don't know have been a hub uh, of that type of um, ethos for several years. And it's actually gone through several iterations as well. But from the beginning, what, what was it that inspired you um, to be interested in the types of art Time Wheel was posting, the type of music we support, and also everything that you're doing with Evolve and Ascend and now your new company, Hidden Hand Media? Yeah. So, I mean, I have to, to go back to the beginning, giving credit to my grandmother who, you know, taught me to dive deeper into other realms of mind and to think in a non-dogmatic way. You know, I grew up without religion. Uh, My grandmother hated the Catholic church. She was a practicing occultist. And I think she kind of went into like a bit of a dark place with it. Uh, Her mother was in the female uh, Freemasons, which are called the Order of the Eastern Star. Um, There's been like a lot of like really interesting, (laughs) like hidden hand stuff, right? Um, (laughs) And after she died, her death became a big catalyst for me of trying to make sense of the world. Like, why do bad things happen? What is suffering? Why? And I'm like, you know, 12 years old when she died. So like prime of like mm-hmm. preteen angst of like, what does it all mean? And I was like around right. the time the craft came out. So it's like, you know, and one hand I'm looking at Buddhism and like, you know, Aleister Crowley because of my grandmother, but then like, you know, Wicca because of the craft. And then I kind of put a lot of that to the back burner when I was in high school, but it wasn't until after my dad died and, you know, just like kind of more death, more loss, more like floating through samsara that um, I really repressed a lot more of like my spiritual leanings and found myself kind of going into this weird space of nihilism because my whole life I've been a precognitive dreamer, dream things, they happen. My intuition's been my compass. But then when bad things started to happen, it made me really lose faith in like, what's it all about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't until you know, 2012, I was working in pop culture and I had like this crazy awakening and it reconnected me to all of this stuff from the past that my grandmother had instilled in me, looking to art as a way to transform consciousness, looking to philosophies as a way to like think beyond the boxes of belief that we're limited by, by like, you know, mainstream ideas of God and religion. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like the craziest series of events, which just inevitably like led me to try plant medicine and synchronicity has just been this like invisible current that's driven so much of it. But one of the constants has always been art, 
music. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that's like a very high form of magic when you can actually yeah. create beautiful art based off of these inexplicable things. I hope that makes sense. It makes total sense to me. I feel like I've kind of been misunderstood for many years when I kind of say music and art is, is a form of magic. You know, I, I think some people don't really understand what I mean by that. Um, but really what I mean by it is that it's transmuting or distilling an experience one has had to a tangible form. You know, like you kind of hear the philosopher's stone as this, um, this like the, the goal of alchemy, which is a, a physical object transmuted from an energetic experience. Well, that's what I think music and art are you know yes and even nowadays podcasting you know being able to create a product with something that comes from that ineffable experience an an experience beyond language which um, i feel like you know you and i are both in touch with um and that's that's really interesting for me it was definitely through psychedelics um but for you it sounds like there was a, a number of things leading up to that but one thing that you said a minute ago that I really resonate with and, and, and have had similar experiences with is the precognitive dreaming. Um, I have also had dreams that then later, like, they happened. And then what was weird is it wasn't an overarching, massive ordeal, but something, someone that I saw or something that someone said or an action someone makes with their body like I had just dreamed about it the night before, maybe two nights before, and then it happens in reality. I always wondered, what's going on? You know, like, is this what they mean by psychic? Is it like, uh, you know, is it your brain kind of ha- having like a, a little stutter moment where it's like, it's confusing something that has happened with ha- what what you dreamt about? Or, or is it actually the fact that some part of our subconscious can go outside of time, see a thing from the future that we download through the dream space, and then come back into time, and then we see it happen in the future. What do you think is going on with precognition? Well, I have so many thoughts about it, and you know, I, I oscillate between what I think it is, what it may be. But a quote comes to mind is this quote by Arthur C. Clarke, where he says, "Any advanced form of technology is indistinguishable from magic." I reference this quote a lot when it comes to this stuff because I think we are only just beginning to understand time and thought, mm-hmm. and how time and thought inform each other, how they work together, how um, you know they influence the universe. And, you know, when we dream and travel through time, it may be, you know, our own form of like consciousness technology of just looking beyond realms, gathering information and synthesizing them in a way that we're able to process in our human minds. And, you know, that's, I think where like we get that deja vu or this understanding or this knowing because, um, getting these little glimpses of potential. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's a technology that we don't really understand yet. Consciousness, time, dreams. Right. Um, right. I don't think, you know, I, I, I've tried really hard over the last few years in particular to like revise my language around these things, you know, because mm-hmm. like when you say like psychic dreams or like I'm intuitive, it somehow feels like, you know, you're elevating yourself as though you have some kind of skill set that's beyond the normal person. But I think we all have that within us mm-hmm. you know i think mm-hmm. it's just a matter of like volume and um yeah. attention right absolutely 
Yeah, I agree. Sometimes I wonder, is it is it lineage? Is it DNA? Is it just, you know, us being privy to information? You know, you said your grandmother, for example. For me, I really don't know who it would be because, you know, both of my parents had zero interest in this type of stuff. But I can definitely remember being a kid and having dreams. And then a few days later, things from those dreams were happening in the real world. And, you know, I would always wrap it up as deja vu. I would just say, oh, deja vu. You know, that's what it is. I've heard about this term deja vu. I heard about it when I was little. And I would say, oh, I'm having deja vu. But it was like kind of a normal thing for me to say that. Like like every other week, I was having an experience of deja vu. Um, and it wasn't, you know, um, super profound. or no, And it wasn't bad or wasn't good. It was pretty neutral. It was like, oh, weird. Like, the thing that my friend didn't dream three nights ago, he just did it now here in reality. Like, that's mind-blowing. I've definitely seen this before, but it's an experience that really, you know, doesn't hold weight to others, even if you tell them. Even if you say, yo, I had a dream about this. They're just like, oh, cool. You know, yeah. but like for me, <laughs> it's a big deal. It's like, how did how did that happen? Like, how is this happening, you know? And um, I do think it's something that anyone can be in touch with, but... I do wonder if it's something like, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this idea that certain um, DNA genes um, or DNA sequences within genes can be passed on from generation to generation, and sometimes they skip a generation. So it's kind of like, did our great-grandpa or great-grandma or someone along those lines have, you know, these type of uh, abilities of, of these precognitive dreams or these types of things. And that is why it is expressed more fully through us and our DNA, because it, for me, at least it wasn't my parents and you said your grandma. So maybe it did skip a generation. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. Cause my mom and dad are definitely, <laughs> neither of them are spiritual in any way, shape or form. Um, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, how much of it is DNA? How much can it be like past lives? Um, mm -hmm. there's just like so many things where it's like, you try to reconcile with it or like you try to explain this to somebody that maybe not, this isn't part of like their reality or like, you know, I can really relates to what you had mentioned about like even the weird precognitive stuff like where you're just like oh my god I dreamt that he moved his arm this way and he just moved his arm that way like right. I have ones all the time that are not remarkable that are like I used this example once I had this dream about somebody talking to me about a baboon skull and I'm like what mm -hmm. a fucking weird dream talking about a baboon skull and then that next day right. I was at a party and this guy started talking about a baboon skull and I'm like are right. you kidding me are you right. kidding me and then exactly. you know like I, I always think it's important like for me, I, I like telling, um, you know, Richie, Richie's always like my good barometer for sharing my dreams with, because when synchronicities happen, he's always like, oh, that's a 10 or no, that's just a five, like, or like a three. Right. <laughs> um, but it's important to have somebody that can keep you tethered, but can also verify when things are pretty weird. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really find that those friendships, um, are just super sacred, you know, when you can have that, uh, dialogue with people who understand how kind of pivotal that these moments can be, because really it can point you in a direction, you know, down a path of creativity, down a path of following your dreams if you listen to these things well. But if you only have people around you that kind of shrug them off, um, you know, that they're not realizing what potential is there within trying to realize these moments as something deeper. And for me, realizing those moments um, completely changed my life. And 
I've always said, why not, right? Like, why not believe in magic? You know, like, this is our one life, you know, you can maybe uh, try to be a realist or, you know, someone who wants to explain it all away with logic and these types of things. But really, um, you know, that's just you kind of saying no to something that is quite, I don't know, quite magnificent and can really empower you to follow a path that it almost seems, I don't quite know if it's predestined or not. Like, and when I say that, I don't mean that we'd lack free will, but I almost mean to say that there's something out there dropping these breadcrumbs. And if we choose to follow them, things get better and better and better for us. Do you believe in this concept? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's something to be said, you know, as we're talking about this, like how language and the language that we use to describe things can either become like super limiting or super expansive. And like, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the ideas of like what magic is, you know, whether they're limited by like social commentary or ideas that we paint um, over them. You know, if you look at magic with a C, which is the art of illusion, or if you imagine, mm-hmm. look at magic with a CK, which is basically the art of bringing your will into reality, right? Like if you just kind of take away those words and just say, oh, okay, yeah, I, I would like to live a life where what I will becomes reality. That's empowering. That's actually becoming like the commander of your destiny. And it's not necessarily like, that you have to paint it with a metaphysical veneer, but there's mm-hmm. something really empowering about that. But I also do believe that there's breadcrumbs, there are those synchronicity signs, there are those deja vus, there are those like ripples in reality that serve as confirmation that like, ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> the thing I'm following, the thing I'm willing into my reality, this is actually like getting warmer to, I don't know if I want to say like destiny or fate, but it's getting warmer to an outcome that um, maybe serves the bigger picture of the world to come. I don't know without being so grandiose, but absolutely. I agree. And by following those things, um, not only is it helping your life, but with the content that, you know, you and I have published with evolve and ascend and time wheel, we're helping others too. You know, this isn't just like a selfish thing. It's like, Oh, I'm following this only for me. It's like, you know, I feel like we both have, felt this kind of um, ability to share what's coming up and see how it resonates with others. And it turns out it really resonates with others. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to have been on like the fringe, on the edge before everything became like super, super mainstream, like in 2013, it was still kind of like just beginning, right? Like mm-hmm. those roots that of, from the seed were just starting to take hold. And we think about like, holy shit, like we've reached millions of people with stuff that we've created and shared. Like what kind of right. ripple in reality does that cause? It's, it's, right. it's really incredible incredible. I know it's, it's kind of crazy, honestly, because it's really heady sometimes in psychedelic states when I have actually pondered how many people have, have seen a thing that I had a direct hand in. And it's like in the hundreds of millions, if not a billion, have we re- have we reached a billion? You know, that's a seventh of the planet. Yeah. I mean, it's not even like a flex. Like this is really speaking that in the last eight years since we've known each other, it is very likely that we have reached over a billion people, mm-hmm. which is yeah. wild. That's wild. It's wild. You know, what can happen when you just show up yes. and that's really all it was. Like people kept asking me, how are you doing this, what you're doing? And I guess to speak to what it was I was doing was 
um, all the ideas that were inspiring me on a day-to-day basis, I would put out into the world as posts. Hey, does this happen to anyone else? Does, is anyone else having experiences like this? Has anyone else seen a scene like this unfold, you know, post a piece of artwork? Um, is anyone interested in, in these topics, meditation, uh, shamanism, you know, uh, lucid dreaming, all of these types of things that to me were brand new. And I was loving just going down this rabbit hole of discovering what they are and then sharing the content I was learning from. It wasn't me saying, hey, look, I know it all. It was like, look what I learned from, you know? Mm-hmm. And then through sharing what I'm ingesting and, and learning from, more people are like, this changed my life. Thank you so much for sharing this. And the numbers go up, the views go up, the page lands go up, and it's just like a snowball effect. And, and of course, that creates a feedback loop where you're like, oh, this is working. This is doing something. People are enjoying this, so let me do this more. And then, you know, we both, I think, have, have been very similar in our path of doing that. Um, would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's something too, which is so interesting because, you know, even when I started Evolve and Ascend, I was so broke. I didn't know what I was going to do for money. And it was such a interesting paradox to be surfing through where it's like, man, when it comes to social impact, I'm a millionaire, but this mm-hmm. month I'm struggling to pay my cell phone bill. <laughs> right. So right. it was like a really humbling and beautiful thing to ride through to, you mm-hmm. know, get to where I am now in business and just in life is to just know like if you're doing something from your heart, the value isn't necessarily in dollar signs, but it's in actually like impact and reach and community and everything else will follow. Like I'm not a millionaire by any means, but I'm living a really beautiful life. And I credit time that I spent just doing to do with no expectation of like monetary gain, just like, because I felt like I had no other choice, but to do it, that was really, Mm -hmm. really powerful. Absolutely. 100%. I agree. And I have heard these stories of some of the richest people in the world being, you know, sad and miserable and lonely and these types of things. So when I hear that and really feel into that, it makes me think, you know, hey, money isn't isn't the goal. You know, fulfillment is the goal. Do you feel good? Are you having good friendships? Are you um, doing things that make you excited? That's the biggest, the biggest thing. And it's funny because sometimes things that get you excited also kind of bring you stress because as we sign up for these bigger and bigger kind of ventures, it's like, oh, there's a lot riding on this thing, you know? Are we meeting the deadlines, you know? Like, we're so excited and so passionate about these things, but then they also have a lot of weight to them, you know? So I guess the goal is is not, you know, money. Of course, we need to live. We need to pay our rent, our phone bill, and these types of things. But um, to be able to live a... Um, a full life where we're having fun, having moments of, you know, just being in the now um, and not kind of hoping that we had this, that, or the other thing. Because, I mean, for me, one, your mind doesn't just stop and say, okay, we're good now. You know, the mind always says, what's next? Yes. (laughs) How are you going to do it bigger, better the next time? You know, and it's funny. It's a humbling thing to to actually achieve the things you seek out to achieve, and then realize, oh, I'm, you know, like it doesn't just end. No. You're not just <laughs> you're not just content for your whole life now. You know what I mean? Because there's so many goals I had. You know, whether it be from being a teenager and really loving these certain type of import Japanese cars, um, 
thinking, you know, if only I have this car, my whole life will be complete. You know, that's my naive teenager self thinking. And then of course I get the car, right. And I'm like, Hmm, cool. Well, Oh, there's another car. Oh, let me get that one. And then it's like, you get that. And it's like, Oh, well, I'm still not satisfied, you know? So you just have to learn through, I guess, going after the things and getting them that it doesn't end there. Um, so to enjoy the ride, it's kind of like that parable where it's like, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, you know? Exactly. And these are things that you can only really learn through direct experience. You know, like I love that George Carlin quote where he says, trying to satisfy, uh, like happiness with money is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches to your body. Exactly. (laughs) But it's like, you know, when you're, you're just starting out and like you're younger and naive and just like, Oh man, like I want this, like the most miserable I was in my life is like when I was like, getting Louis Vuitton bags and like, you know, had, had the big condo and, you know, I didn't ever have to worry about money, but I was really unhappy. And mm-hmm. it's strange when I look back, it's actually some of the most powerful moments in my life where when I was broke shit and just really just like, it was hard to struggle, you know, but the thing was, is like, I was actually like, really in my artistry and creating and like with friends and making community. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. how, how life works in that way. Right. It really is. It's, it's a crazy journey. It's a beautiful journey. Um, but it's, it's also like, I would like to just dive into this idea of um, with, you know, how well we, have done when it comes to, you know, establishing platforms and, and gaining fan bases and um, numbers and these types of like, you know, very tangible, provable metrics. What is it, though, that you look forward to each day and, and the moments that you find to be, you know, your happy, your happy place? Uh, honestly, it's it's like real human connection. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we all felt it so deeply, when it was like prime quarantine time, right? And we couldn't be around other people and we were forced into isolation. Um, And that Mm -hmm. was really hard. And emerging from the other side of that, when I look back to everything that's felt meaningful to me, it's been moments of feeling deeply connected with other human beings. Like, um, you know, Whitma taught me so many great lessons, um, even Mm -hmm. through the hardship and difficulties. But one of the greatest things that came from it was just the power of what it feels like when you're in a room with a bunch of people you care about and just laughing and talking life and being together, you know, in that moment, none of us are thinking like, Oh, I'm wearing like, you know, air force ones, or I have a fucking Louis Vuitton wallet. We're just like, Oh man, like we're relating on things that are so absurd and complex and amazing. And Mm -hmm. every time, you know, like you and I have gotten together, like it, it just always feels so good. And, um, I don't know, I think my greatest joy is like meeting others that like you get that feeling with where you're just like, oh, wow, not alone in the world. And some transmission that I've put out into the universe has been a beacon to bring in others to make, make me feel a little less alone. And simultaneously I make them feel a little less alone. So it's a beautiful thing to like deeply connect with other human beings. Yes. That I think is it. That is the silver lining of everything, you know, that I've done as well, which is, you know, to just be authentically ourselves with the um, inspiration and passion towards these content, this type of content that resonates with our soul. 
and then it's slowly, you know, like a magnet, almost going back to that law of attraction, bringing people into our orbit, so to speak, that are like minds. It's kind of like, where have you been? You know, it's like, you're the friends I needed my whole life. And it's just, it's awesome and beautiful how that happens. But it, it is a a um it begins with the self it begins with the acceptance of of who you are and being vulnerable and being willing to put stuff out in the world that may or may not work the key is to keep trying to stay inspired to stay motivated and to do uh you know the things that your spirit is really calling towards and um for one you know staying clear and kind of motivated is a is a big thing that some people just aren't able to do. And I actually know that you recently took a one-year abstinence from drinking. Yes. And that's a big deal. Like, that's something that I think a lot of people could not fathom, you know, myself included. (laughs) It'd be very hard for me. Um, But I'm very inspired by that idea, and I feel like it would bring a certain level of clarity. So I'm just curious about, you know, how has that journey been and how has it made you feel daily you know what's so wild is like without making it sound like some like trite cliche or whatever but like knowing what a psychedelic explorer i've been and like you know worked with plant medicines like you know ayahuasca bufo like really intense shit right i think one of the most psychedelic things i have ever done is letting go of alcohol because Mm -hmm. um really meeting yourself Um, And seeing how you actually like are in the world when it comes to like social situations, stress, parties, um, all of these things, seeing it without like uh, an agent or lubrication to get you feeling a little more social is really a trip because you're like, Mm -hmm. man, this is actually what I'm meeting is me at my core. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm addicted to caffeine like heavily. Like I have a gigantic (laughs) iced coffee sitting at me. So like the next step would be to maybe see who I am without caffeine. But um, the clarity from it is amazing. And I I really struggle with like saying like, I'm sober because like, I don't think I can claim that word because, um, you know, I talked about this on an Instagram live I did recently where it's like, it's Mm -hmm. hard because it's the word that you defer to when you talk about the fact that like, okay, now I no longer drink, but I also believe in cognitive liberty. And I believe in like recreational use of psychedelics under the correct circumstances and also Mm -hmm. medicinal use. So it's an interesting thing, but for me, like alcohol, looking at the alchemical metaphor, it being the substance which extracts the spirit from material, um, removing that from my diet, if you will, has helped Mm -hmm. me get a deeper connection to um, my spirit, you know, without it being um, diluted by anything Mm -hmm. else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recall uh, something er that you posted at the very beginning of this journey, which, you know, has kind of stayed in the back of my mind here, but it was kind of about what alcohol itself means in its sense of the origin word of it. And isn't it something about a ghoul or something? Yes. Um, And unfortunately, like I've recently found that that article was debunked. So I would be remiss to say like, okay, that's exactly what it means. But there was an article going around that I loved and I still like 
even if it's bullshit, like if you look at it mm-hmm. as a metaphor, um, they believe sure. that the etymology of alcohol was an Arabic world word, al-ghul, which means body-eating spirit. Um, right. You know, take that with a grain of salt. They say that that's not necessarily what it means, but I've revised that commentary too. Actually, in alchemy, alcohol is the thing used to subtract the, to um, extract the soul from a substance, the spirit of a substance. So there is something to be said about that. And, you know, alcohol can bring out the best in us. It can bring out the worst in us, you know, like I have a lot of great memories with alcohol. Um, Before like 2020, like I barely drank, like I drank like on weekends, but it was just Mm. all of what happened with like COVID and being stressed and like being at my mom's house at that point, (laughs) I was like drinking every night to just fall asleep. And I'm just like, I don't want to be asleep for my life. I need to rewrite this story and um, not fall into to similar habits that my family has done. And it's like, you know, I turned 36 in April. I turned 35 on uh, Zoom, on corn, on isolation tank. And like time is moving so fast and I just really want to be present in the best way I can be present. And alcohol wasn't allowing me to do that because it just became a tool to numb. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's such an interesting thing how it can be something different from one person to the next because certainly we all hear about people who kind of they get angry, they get kind of, you know, kind of weird, abusive with alcohol and other people just have a great time and it's all good vibes. But, you know, we do kind of, I think, as a society know, uh, at the end of the day, it's not good for you. It's not going to do you good. It's not helping your body. I mean, maybe some people can say uh, one glass of red wine helps with your heart, these types of things, but that doesn't mean a bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how we can kind of twist those things to work in our favor. So, oh, this is healthy, you know? Like, what does the glass look like? You know, my mom mom (laughs) is an alcoholic and she's like, I only have two glasses of wine. And it's like, Motherfucker, you're drinking a chalice. Like, right. <laughs> like you, right, you right. fit a bottle in one glass. <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, right. But it's like, you know, everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's different. Everybody's going to have a different experience with it. You know, like I've seen people mm-hmm. that I care about go from being like the sweetest thing in the world to like literally it feels like a d- demonic possession when they start drinking. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I relatively stayed at a baseline other than like my emotions just became more sad, (laughs) you know, I've never Mm -hmm. been an angry drunk, but just like, a, oh man, I feel things deeply. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can say, you know, a common thing, just being honest that I see going on with people that'll say these things, but not manifest them is they're drinking a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It, it resonates in that sense because it does take spirit to drive home these ideas. And that spirit is, you know, the clarity of mind, the inspiration, the belief, the faith, you know, yeah. and faith and spirit are kind of tied together, you know, faith that you can do this thing. You know, alcohol perhaps makes you feel content with not doing it. Oh, well, why would I do that when I feel great with a bottle of wine? And honestly, I really resonated with that as well with uh, Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week, which he says, you know, happiness can be bought with a bottle of wine. And it's, it's kind of true, you know? So in other ways, in other words, to create a longer type of happiness, a happiness that can fulfill you for years to come, you have to have this hard work ethic, this, you know, this ability to drive home 
the things you set out to do. And yeah, that doesn't mean be perfect and, and be and do every single thing and be a workaholic. I'm not trying to say that. I am trying to say though that it takes a certain clarity of mind um, that alcohol can definitely detract from to be able to do these things that you know, we know we want to do. Completely. Um, everyone has goals. I don't think anyone's devoid of goals, you know? I think it's, and if they are, it's just because they're not in touch with that clarity of mind or that maybe spiritual inspiration, that type of thing. Completely. And I think what it does is it like can, can oftentimes create a vicious cycle, right? Where it's like you're stressed during the day because maybe you're not working on something that makes you feel meaning or purpose. And then as soon as the day ends, you want to like wind down. So you have a glass of wine. So you one glass turns into two, turns into three, then you pass out. Then you wake up, you're doing this thing that feels meaningless again. You don't really feel that good because of the sugar and alcohol or whatever. And it just mm-hmm. becomes this ongoing thing. This isn't for everybody. I'm just using this as an exci- uh, example for things I've observed, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, this friend of mine, he actually had this really brilliant philosophical reflection that the way you begin your day is a fractal for how you live your life. So if you're beginning Mm -hmm. your day feeling like shit and like just groggy and not clear, then like that ripples through, you know, carries through the rest of your life. It really does. I agree. I agree. Um, So let's talk about that. Let's talk about beginning our days, you know? So for me, um, again, like you mentioned uh, caffeine, big part of my life. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I just heard a, a clip from Joe Rogan and, and um, Michael Pollan yesterday where he took three months off of caffeine wow. and then he, he had one cup of coffee and he said it was a psychedelic experience <laughs> um, because he went home and he like went through all his email and he cleaned out his sweaters from his closet and he did all this stuff that like he normally wouldn't do because he was like amped to the roof. Um, that's funny because, you know, for us, I think it's, it's kind of just like a, a normal kind of like elevation we're used to, which is this like kind of let's be productive type vibe. But, um, as far as my day, you know, I definitely, I wake up, do the restroom thing. I get in my car and drive, get some coffee, drinking it on the way back. And I sit down to my desk and, I kind of, you know, I'm I'm in a very privileged position where I can decide what I want to work on. Hey, I have this, I have that, I have another thing. They're all exciting. They're all fun. None of it feels like I'm dredging through it. None of it feels, you know, like, uh, oh, no, I have to do this now. It's all like, oh, these are all great things. So, I mean, as far as like a pattern um, goes, I think that how you start your day and whatever ritual, whether it just be getting up, getting your coffee, sitting down at the computer and deciding to do something that inspires you could be something that other people maybe don't, you know, think about. Um, it, it could be that easy, but for you, how does your mornings go and, and how do you get into your creative flow? It's a very similar process. Um, it's taken a while for me to get back into a better sleeping habit. Um, you know, after I moved to LA and, um, just had some kind of like trauma happen. It was very mm-hmm. hard for me to sleep. So I would just like have bad insomnia all night and then wake up just even those, I'm you know, not drinking alcohol or anything, just waking up, not feeling great. So I finally mm-hmm. kind of like tried really hard to get into better sleeping habits so that I can wake up. And then when I wake up, I go grab my coffee, <laughs> have my, my iced coffee and start my day. Um, I'm in LA right now, but I've been splitting time between LA and Mexico. And so mm-hmm. when I'm in LA, I go to like my favorite coffee place, um, 
which is like right around the corner. But when I'm in Mexico, my, you know, husband, which is like very interesting to say, um, (laughs) makes me coffee in the morning, but coffee is integral for like kind of getting the fire kindled. And then it's just, uh, diving into work and seeing what flows. Um, the thing about creativity is that it's like, it's really fickle for me sometimes where it's like, sometimes it's like, Oh man, I just have to write today. Other times it's like, I need to draw or, you know, but I'm so lucky and privilege is the right word that I'm in a career path where I can channel all of those things into the work I'm doing. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's very rare that I actually really feel stressed from work. Um, Mm -hmm. which is such a gift Mm -hmm. because that I never thought I'd be in a position where I could say that. Right. Right. No, same, you know, it's, it's funny when I, when I think back to my 18 year old self and what I thought I would be, and I'm nothing like what I thought I would be. So I'm just trying to say to all those 18 year olds that maybe feel like, um, maybe the life isn't going to lead to something dope, you'll be surprised. It might. It might actually lead to something really dope because, (laughs) you know, I, for one, did struggle with depression as a teenager. Um, It was just real life stuff. I was taking stuff way too seriously. It was like if if a girlfriend broke up with me or uh, I didn't get enough hours at work and now I was like going to be financially you know, lower than I expected to be. Like these little things would like seem to just like destroy me. And it was like, I just feel hopeless. Like why live? Why live without her? Why live in, you know, like these types (laughs) of things. And, you know, I know love is a real thing and that type of thing. But at the same time with a broader scope, which psychedelics were able to offer me and, and I can really credit, you know, magic mushrooms for uh, alleviating my depression and allowing me to, um, see more clearly oh like you don't have to get bent out of shape over every little thing you don't need to take everything so seriously um that i was able to step into this creative path that has led to amazing beautiful places and working with amazing beautiful people like yourself Mm -hmm. and it's just been so great you know um to be able to do this and you know, there is definitely privileged attached but there is also a lot of hard work behind us waking up today and yesterday and deciding to do what we want to do because, you know, we all had to, to kind of grind, um, to get here. But I do feel very fortunate that the grind we did was enjoyable. Totally. You know? <laughs> Completely. And I'm so glad that you actually like touched upon that. I don't think I've ever really like openly talked about like 18 year old me. Um, mm-hmm. like, you know, again, like I love referencing quotes. So Timothy Leary's one quote is that you're only as young as the last time you change your mind. Right. And I think a thought trap can be that like, oh man, I've wasted time or how do I even begin now? Here I am. Or, you know, whatever, like we can get into these thought traps of like our age and when we start and whatever. And like, I, for a long time, it was really hard on myself because out of high school, I wound up just like going to community college kind of briefly because of family stuff and my mom. And I really wanted to go to art college and move to LA, but my mom gave me a lot of guilt about leaving. And for Mm -hmm. the longest time, I was so angry about that, about like, God, I just, what would have, what would have been like if I went to art college and like moved to LA when I was 18? And it's like, 
you know, again, you're only as young as the last time you change your mind and everything that we go through, it's like that butterfly effect, you know, like they lead us to where we inevitably are meant to be. And that's not like a spiritual bypass, but I think that like, you know, just start where you are and don't hold on to regret for the past because you can, you can pave your own way. You know, it's just a matter of getting clarity of like what it is that you actually do want and, um, you know, allowing and not like forcing it so much, just like saying, okay, I want this and now I'm going to move forward with it. No regrets, no regrets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 100%. It's funny. Uh, I actually, had a very similar dream of going to an art college. There was this uh, thing called the Art Institute of Austin, I believe. And I wanted to go for music and music production. Um, and I went and toured the facility. And, uh, of course, you know, they make it sound like you need this. Without this, it's you're, you're hopeless in the art and music world. And then and they save it to the very end to tell you the price. <laughs> and I remember it was like $109,000. Oh, my God for the tuition. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I was just a little intuitive or something, but I was like, it's not worth that. You know, like so many people will not care about tuitions. I'll pay it off. You know, like, yeah, I got my whole life to pay it off that type of thing. But for me, even though my mom was supportive, she was like, Hey, if you want to do this, it's going to be in your, it was going to be my debt. You know what I mean? She was, but, but like she was, she was almost sold and I wasn't. Um, and that's just an interesting place to be as an 18 year old, not being sold when your, you know, 40 year old parent is. But all I can say is even though I really thought that was my path up until I heard that price point at the very end of that tour, and I said, I could do more with $100,000 yeah. on my own than like giving it all to these guys. You know what I mean? So I'm, I guess I'm just grateful it didn't work out in that circumstance because I really still followed that artistic path. And, um, you know, I hear a lot of people kind of these days, a lot of like gurus, Gary V types, you know, saying you don't need college these days and that type of thing. And I don't know. I guess I'm speaking to people who maybe are, are down to go fifty, hundred thousand dollars in debt to college um, to learn stuff that's ten years old at this point. And it's like, wh- what if you were to just bet on yourself with that money? Yeah. You know. What do you think about that? I really agree. I think you know, the older I've gotten, I really, really um, relate to that way of thinking. You know, unless you're going into a specialized field where you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist, where it's like you need mm-hmm. that kind of like advanced level of academia. If you're right. a creative, there the things that we've learned on our path together through social media and building relationships and like creating ecosystems of content, mm-hmm. you cannot learn that in a textbook. You need to learn that through mm-hmm. direct experience and through like putting yourself out there into the world and starting conversations and just having the drive and motivation to connect with other humans. You can't learn right. that in school. Right. 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 You know, because in school, what they're giving you is like models of things, you know, like a, like a project, a paper, you know, turn this in. And you almost put just as much work into that paper that ends up, you know, like on your desk somewhere or in a filing cabinet, you never see it again, as you would doing the real thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, instead of like fake producing an event, you know what I mean? And turning it in as a, as a research assignment, 
just produce an event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Or just say like, I want to do this. Like, it's funny because I, I just hired somebody to write a new bio for me, um, which is mm-hmm. like a funny thing to do. But I was like, I need to just like have a real solid bio. And I'm writing out like a lot of my life stuff. And I'm like, damn, so many of my things are just kind of like fell into by like making relationships with people. Like I remember mm-hmm. like I, a friend of mine sells advertising for radio and she invited me to be a calendar girl for this country rock station. This is in 2009. <laughs> and through wow. that, um, I developed a relationships with one of uh, like a friendship with one of the on-air hosts who had an FM station called Shore Alternative Radio. He invited me on the radio. I started going on the radio and talking on the radio and being a part of this radio station. I'm like, I don't have no fucking <laughs> like experience in broadcasting, but here I am. Mm-hmm. And it's funny looking back to that in 2009 that I'm like, wow, this actually was like all kind of training for the podcast stuff and what you're creating with the podcast network and, you know, conversation. It's like the first podcast I had, our, our tagline was like initiation through the art of conversation, progression through unlearning. <laughs> it's That's <so> great. <laughs> That's really good. I love that. I don't know. What is it? You know, why is it that, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I just mean to say both of us, how are we able to like put these things into, into words? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, think I don't know why. But you that, and that I, seems to be our gift. <laughs> you and I are people that really move from the heart. And I think that's it. Like, you know, if you know Saul Williams, he says the heart is the philosopher's stone. So here we are, this whole conversation on alchemy and transmuting life experience and heaviness into light, lead into gold, Um, you know, the heart into reality. It's because I think like you and I are are very special mirrors and like you're like family to me, you know, like I would not Mm -hmm. be where I am if it weren't for you and for that faded email. And likewise, I I mean, it's I think it's because that shared resonance is that we're very heart based humans that um i don't know (laughs) i agree i agree you know i think the message there you know for the listeners is that by doing the things that your soul is called to you could literally manifest the relationships that can change your life you know and and lead to so many doors opening and um you just have to have the faith that that these things are coming towards you. And and this is an interesting idea because I've tried to explore it on a number of, of podcasts, but what is it that there is there seems to be a future pull. There seems to be something in the future that is guiding you towards it if you were to just follow that faith and it's so it's so hard to put into words because it's kind of a psychedelic concept but (laughs) i've seen it these funny um revelations Mm -hmm. so to speak but but what is it that you know like is guiding us to our highest evolution you know have you how how would you describe that experience if you've had it at all yeah i mean it's it's trust and faith, right? Like when you're following that invisible current, you're trusting something that you're not going to get any like tangible proof or data that can be like verified by science. It's all verified by thought, feeling, experience, emotion. I was actually mm-hmm. writing today um, for one of my clients, uh, we're talking about the book of Job and the whole story of Job and how he was like God's most faithful servant, but like God and the devil decided to like wager a bet of just how faithful Job would be. <laughs> If you like take everything away from him and fuck his mm-hmm. life up. Um, 
And Job still <laughs> stayed faithful. And, you know, God rewarded him tenfold. So if you strip away dogma, like get rid of the, you know, Judeo-Christian, whatever, if you look at that as a parable for the human experience of like, you know, you maintaining faith through abundance and adversity um, is really yeah. crucial. And nothing's guaranteed, but when you feel it, you feel it. And um, how do you explain something that's like really subjective, although universal? I don't know. But mm-hmm. all I can say is that when you feel it, you feel it. And God is such a triggering word, right, for a lot of people. But I do mm-hmm. have faith in the invisible current and the hidden hand that's guiding us all, whatever that tapestry that's being woven. I do believe there's a weaver. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And, you know, I will say I never really thought I would, you know, I guess I can say that, you know, from ages, you know, five to when you can even concept what God might be, even though we just thought it was a dude with a beard and a cloud, um, you know, to ages you know, 14 or something, there was this kind of like by default, by being a, a part of my family, by being forced to go to church, I, I, I believed, right? Mm-hmm. But then when I could start to make my own decisions and start to to realize in my own uh, rationale that, hey, I've never had a direct experience with God, you know, like I started really questioning that this kind of overarching intelligence could exist. Um, but it, And it wasn't until the psychedelic experience that I had when I ingested way too many mushrooms, um, mm-hmm. but it was the best thing that could have happened to me. I, I guess I'm glad I did that um, mistake <laughs> <laughs> um, that actually showed me with my own two eyes that everything was according to plan. Yeah. Like that was a surreal realization. Like everything that had happened to me to that point was according to plan and everything that's happening to most people is according to some divine plan. It's an interesting thing because I know we go in and out of it because at sometimes we will be taken aback and we will be frustrated and we will be, oh, this shouldn't have happened to me. Like, why did this happen to me? I feel a victim. Yeah. But then at other times, it's like when you're really grounded and centered, maybe you're in meditation, maybe you're in a psychedelic experience, you know, so many things can kind of open that mindset. It, it still returns to me that this is all going according to plan. You know, <laughs> how do you feel about that? Same. Totally. Like I, I've become more of a skeptical optimist, um, over, over the last few years, but I do. Um, and I, I laugh about like what that plan is, right? I love that quote, man plans, God laughs. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, I believe in free will, but I think like, it's like, I don't know, like we're still being guided by something else. So it's like, <laughs> it's super trippy, but I do think there's right. the plan. I think there's a, we're part of a bigger story that's being told and, you know, right. there's a beauty in that. And there's a beauty in just being okay with like some of the uncertainty that comes with it and trust also at the same time, trusting that it's all part of something bigger. Um, right. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I heard, I heard something around, um, the topic of people in a mystical state and or a mystic might seem to hold paradoxical views Mm. um, because they're in a state of non-duality. So there's non-duality and there's duality. And I'm not a major philosopher, so I'm going to probably mess this up. But I'm just saying that um, for people that are living in duality, which is, you know, you see it this way or that way, 
to people that are living in non-duality, even if it's just a few days, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not saying you're going to enter non-duality and stay there for all of time, but, but the fact that we can get into those states, you know, through deep meditation, through, you know, flow practices, through psychedelics, through um, astrology, all kind of stuff could, could, could lead you to a non-dual state. Um, it can almost seem that those people hold paradoxical views. It's like, hey, you can't believe this and that, mm. but we're like, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, that's just an interesting thing, how we decide how we think and we decide that we do believe in both free will and that everything is according to some divine plan, you know, like it's a trip because I really do feel like it is some type of beautiful intermingling between those two. Um, and I don't really know how to say it better than that, but, it, but I don't know. What, what do you think? What does that bring up for you? All of these ideas? Yeah. I mean, I really relate to it. I'm like, yes, I totally feel you. <laughs> you know, like I think about the Kabbalion, which was like a life-changing book for me and about how all truths are but half truths and every truth is half false. Um, mm-hmm. And like finding a way to kind of compensate for this space between, between, right? Like, do we mm-hmm. have free will? Do we not have free will? If we have free will and I make a decision, no, am I just going to be rerouted to eventually make a yes? Um, <laughs> right. It's really interesting to consider but i think that that's even what the buddha talked about is like keeping the middle middle way you know like not spending your life meditating under a tree to the point of starvation not living your life in like complete excess you know like how do you go the middle path and just reconcile paradox by holding it all right 100 percent, and that is really why i resonate with buddhism and it's interesting because yeah, these concepts came to me as novel um, in these psychedelic states that I was entering before I had ever studied Buddhism, before I had ever studied the Tao, before I had ever studied yoga. And I probably did have a few weeks where I was like, oh, I'm on to something, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that was fun, you know, yeah. I didn't get carried away with I it. Feel you. Um, but, um, but then, you know, realizing, oh, people, you know, through research, realizing oh, people have been tapped into this for thousands of years. So that's always an interesting thing. And then looking back to like ancient texts and these types of things, like the Emerald Tablets, Mm -hmm. um, it's like they seem to be really tapped into all that. And that actually brings up another topic I wanted to get into while I have you, which is your interest in Egypt. You've actually been to Egypt inside the Great Pyramid. And it seems that a lot of your branding is kind of coming as well from Egyptian ideas, like uh, the idea of a minty. So uh, I'm curious, you know, if you would explain or expand on how you got interested in things like the Emerald Tablets, Egypt, the Great Pyramid, and the idea of the Halls of a Minty. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those weird things of like, um, you know, tying it into Buddhism when they find the next Dalai Lama, right? They bring belongings from the previous Dalai Lama and then, you know, the child has to choose which are the belongings from the past life, right? Like that's how they figure it out. I can't explain this connection to Egypt, but um, it started when I really went into high gear when I don't even know how I found the Emerald Tablets, but I remember that book coming into my reality and reading it and I'm like, wow, These are the most beautiful words I've ever read in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the first time I did ayahuasca when I was down in Costa Rica before I even did the plant medicine, I had a dream about the weighing of the heart. And that was before I even read the Egyptian Book of the Dead. I wasn't until after I got back and Googled it that I was like, oh my God. 
what? <laughs> what? Um, and then, you know, as Natalie and I started working on a mentee, tying into the Emerald Tablet and, and all this hermetic wisdom that I had been coming across, you know, I was gifted a trip to Egypt. Like, it wasn't even like I sought it out. It came to the me. The synchronicity. The synchronicity. So it's just been a lot of things just coming to and then having that, oh, like it's that funny feeling where it's like you think you're on one and then you read something and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. just, I'm just tapping into a current of consciousness that's been around for right. a really long time. I don't know why yeah. that one speaks to me so deeply, but it's just interesting like too, like for whatever it's worth. Um, I did the 23andMe a few years ago and like I didn't realize actually what a large percentage of my DNA is from like the Levantine region, which is like wow. down in that area. So it's like my grandfather was Sicilian, but his ancestors are Levantine. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what that actually has to do with DNA. So is it past lives? Is it like latent DNA? I don't know. It's really interesting, but it's just right. I relate to the wording so well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. This is another funny concept, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but um, it's funny how movies and the archetypes expressed in movies can kind of speak to something in our subconscious. And whether that's past lives, whether that's like some predetermined interest, I don't I don't know what it is. But all I know is when I saw the movie The Mummy, mm. I-, I was probably five, six years old. It instantly became my favorite movie, and it's full of Egypt. Wow. And, but it was just such an interesting thing how the um, how my interest in Egypt, you know, much later, really kind of in uh, became like understood in a, in a whole different, deeper way than I ever thought it could be. And I guess I just wonder, you know, and and it's through the reading of the Emerald Tablets is what I'm referring to because I also was enamored with those and was just like, wow, whatever, whoever wrote this, you know, like they were, they were touching on some, some deep, beautiful stuff, whether it's just poetry or whether it is a real thing, you know, like a real actual transmission. Um, It it really hit me. And it wasn't, again, one of those weird synchronistic moments where it was like, no wonder I was into Egypt when I was a kid. It was almost this future pool of getting me to realize this ancient knowledge. Totally. You know? And it's like they say in the tablets, like if the light is within you, the light within these tablets will shine. And they are alchemical in nature. Like I go back and read them and it's like, as you experiment with experience, all of the words have different meaning. And there's something really fascinating about that. Like whatever that little spark of light is within you that pulls you to this information. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really interesting. Right. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the message there is, you know, listen to these whispers inside that are kind of pointing us in directions of interest and and try to fully explore those things. You know, if something is kind of coming up in your life repeatedly over and over again, whether it be a place or a thing to do or an activity, I don't know. I just feel like listen to those um, and you will be surprised by accepting the call. What can manifest? I agree. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Um, I do just want to talk briefly about what you've got on the horizon um, as well. We could touch on this event that we're doing this weekend. Yeah. So uh, on the horizon, um, my illustrator partner and a mentee and I are solidifying our final plans for actually our next Oracle deck. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can't really say much more 
about it. But uh, 2022, there is going to be something new and I can't wait to share more. Um, I'm really going to be shifting a lot of my focus away actually from Evolve and Ascend and into my new company, Hidden Hand Media, which I'm really excited about. Um, And yeah, just really tending to the podcast, Radio Menti and um, nurturing what we're all building with Time Wheel Podcast Network. And I just can't wait to see you this weekend and celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, I don't think I've mentioned it on a podcast yet, but um, so currently we are in the development stages of what is called the Time Wheel Podcast Network. We are launching our official kind of fundraising party this Saturday, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be in Austin. We're calling it the Mind Jam and Ecstatic Dance. It's going to be with... uh, the, my beautiful friends from Church of the Sacred Womb, which is a plant medicine church based in Austin who work with the legal medicines, you know, cacao, hape, these types of things. Um, and they just have a beautiful space and they're able to, you know, host these gatherings with a sacred context um, around respect for plant medicines and the experiences therein. So um, this Saturday in Austin, we are celebrating. It'll be me Jennifer, um, Michael Phillip from Third Eye Drops, Mike Brancatelli from Mikeadelic, who I was introduced to by you, Jen, um, and my brother Robert, who's the founder of Sheath. He's got his own show as well. And then the beautiful people of Church of the Sacred Womb um, will be doing a panel as well. So it'll be a lot of fun. And then we're going to celebrate with some ecstatic dance. And then we have an Airbnb to just go hang out and vibe out. So I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Um, So you can learn more about that at timewheel.net or even go to twpn.net and you can see what we're up to. I really look forward to staying in the loop with you, Jen. And thank you so much for everything you're doing. It's it's absolutely an honor to to be collaborating with you. Thank you, Matt. You're the best. You're the best. Much love. Have a good day. Bye.